If two SEC games went a certain way on Wednesday night, we would have six teams within one game of first place. Could Florida and Kentucky do the job? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us to get your college basketball content every single day. Thanks for making us your first listen or watch. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Y'all, if you do not love college basketball, first off, I don't know why you're here in the first place, but I, like, if you just don't get geeked out over this sport, I, I don't know what to tell you. This thing delivers night after night after night. Tuesday was phenomenal. And I was like, there's no way we're going to top that on Wednesday. But Wednesday was bonkers as well. So I hope you caught all the action. But that's why we're here. Talk about it, catch you up, give you my takes, all of that kind of stuff. As you can hear, I'm very much still working on getting my voice back. It's getting better. But uh, still, thanks for sticking with me through that. Speaking of which, I'm going to take a drink of water. By the way, I'm going to reference bracketology stuff a lot on today's show because so many games that we see right now have um, NCAA tournament implications one way or another. So I say that to say, just to simplify things, I'm just going to utilize Joe Lenardi's bracketology. And I know there's a lot of great bracketology out there, but just for ease, I will just reference that one. So I'm not going to say it every time. All right. We start our day, our conversation together today in the SEC, where we had two really, really great basketball games. Let's start in Tuscaloosa, where number 24, Florida, was at number 13, Alabama. Alabama wins this game in overtime, 98 to 93. But man, Florida probably should have pulled it out. They had a great lead. We're looking good. And then Mark Sears just kind of took over and did some stuff. But the problem is, this would have been a massive, massive road victory for Florida um, to kind of continue to, I mean, their, their seeding has felt like it's just been kind of skyrocketing lately. And this would have helped. Unfortunately, they don't get it. Now it's not going to do much to hurt them, but it could have really super helped. And, you know, as part of that, with Alabama leading the way in the SEC, I heard like audible groans coming from Knoxville, Tennessee. I could tell you that right now. Um, look, the, the, the ending of this game was great. Um, unfortunately for Florida, Alabama had caught back up, but like last 60 seconds um, of regulation, Tyree Samuel had just done a bunch of work, just putting the team on his shoulders. And then that final 60 seconds, Zion Pullen gets this finish at the rim to give Florida a two-point lead. Uh, Mark Sears makes a couple free throws to tie it up. Um, just all this back and forth. It was actually tied at 85 going to overtime because neither team could do any more. Um, Hanlockton did some work down the stretch of regulation as well, getting an offensive rebound that Florida could have, like if they had scored there, that might've been the game winning bucket in regulation. He also got a key block on Mark Sears at the end of regulation um, to send it to OT. OT looked like it was going to be the Alabama show. They get out to a 7-0 lead or go on a 7-0 run. 
But man, Florida, much to their credit, fought back, fought back, fought back, got it all the way to um, down to one, 94-93 Alabama with 35 seconds left. In Florida, it looked like they were going to have an opportunity to go down and win the game. They got the stop. Rylan Griffin missed a three, but the ball bounces around a little bit. Aaron Estrada knifes in, gets the layup. They go up three. um, Clayton got a great look from the wing down on the other end for Florida, but it didn't fall. Uh, Bama gets a couple more free throws. Ball game. (laughs) So, look, this is for Alabama. Look, you're going to have games like this against other high-level conference opponents. And so for NATO's club to pull this together, pull it out, man, is just doing what you got to do in a conference game, especially as the team at the top of the heap. You know, you'll lose this game. Tennessee's tied with you atop the league standings. That's not what you want to do. So really good work from uh, from Alabama to not only come back, but finish it off because there were some other schools that had nice comebacks on Wednesday and couldn't finish it off. Now let's move to Baton Rouge where this game was wacky. Number 17, Kentucky at LSU. Tigers pull this off 75 to 74. Here was the deal coming into this game. These are two teams kind of going in different directions. Kentucky had had a really good week last week before um, LSU's comeback win at South Carolina on Saturday. They had lost six of seven, seven of nine. Just like, no, LSU had nothing. But in that game at South Carolina, they were down 16 in the second half, came all the way back and won by a point. This game, Kentucky enters the day as a five seed. And, you know, according to Lenardi, he said they can't get up to a four, but they might slip to a six with a loss. And so we'll have to see when things refresh on Thursday where where, um, Kentucky, you know, kind of plays out. Trey Mitchell was still out in this game for the Wildcats, so that's tough. We've got to recognize that. But look, while LSU had had these moments lately where they just – needed guys to step up. Coach McMahon talked about that. We need toughness. We need guys. And I thought they did this. Um, Kentucky's big weakness all season long has been their defense, their offense electric. I love it. I could watch Kentucky's offense all day long. Their defense though has been a whole different story. Now last week they had some really good moments really moved up um, in defensive efficiency at Ken Palm. And they did, even after the loss, they moved up slightly in Ken Palm defensive efficiency, but it just wasn't, <clears throat> the same level tonight is what I saw last week. And I say that part of that's Kentucky. Part of that is LSU, man. They just attacked, attacked, attacked. Used some great pick and roll action. Just used their athleticism to exploit matchups, get to the rim and finish. And they were doing a really good job with that. But um, one of the areas where I thought LSU was maybe going to shoot themselves in the foot in this game, Kentucky was literally perfect at the line, 12 of 12. LSU, meanwhile, is just leaving all sorts of stuff at the free throw line. They finished 16 of 25, missing nine. Um, And it, you know, they hit even half of those. And this is a much more comfortable win than what actually ended up happening. But my goodness, we'll we'll get back and go to some other things. But the ending of this game, Kentucky fights all the way back. Rob Dillingham hits this redonkulous step back to on, uh, you know, kind of the uh, side, not quite on the baseline, but a little bit in from there um, to give Kentucky a lead right down the stretch. LSU comes back and you're thinking, oh man, I, it's one of those moments where it's like Kentucky just stole this, you know, and you, 
expect to see that happen. Um, but um, the problem was that Dillingham left LSU plenty of time. They're able to go and um, go get some action at the rim. It's blocked. Throw it back in. Tyrell just lays it up, man. Uh, beautiful. And it's one of those in the moment. You're like, holy cow, did he get it off? Did he get it off? He absolutely got it off. LSU wins this game. Tough one for John Calipari's team who started this season 12-2, and two, but they're just 6-6 six and six since. Going to have to get some things figured out down the stretch here. And, and that's what uh, that's what we're looking at, and we're going to have to figure that out. Now, um, what was wild about this game were the swings of it. Um, we had had a lot of offense early in the first half, really bogged down late in the second half. And then with about two and a half minutes to go, Kentucky just goes on this run that extended into the second half. They go on a 16-0 run to give themselves a 15-point lead, 42-27. That took, you know, that that was about a minute into the second half. From there, LSU goes on this 21-4 run of their own to take a two-point lead back. When Kentucky went on that 16-0 run, I was like, this game's over. It's done. Congrats to Kentucky. They win and they're looking great. But, man, LSU fought back. Angel Reese is in the stands, a bunch of LSU ladies team. Um, Great stuff. Great resolve from Coach McMahon's team to go get this done. So the Wildcats can have to stop, look themselves in the mirror and say, what, you know, like, what are we going to be down the stretch here? You know, um, dude, Rob Dillingham is an absolute stud. Only two points in the first half, but then went off for 21 in the second half, 23 total points. Um, but he needs more help, needs more help from, from all around, you know, and Antonio Reeves will do it pretty regularly needs other, you know, needs DJ Wagner to be more consistent needs Justin Edwards to be able to shoot a couple shots tonight, Justin or on, uh, on, uh, Wednesday night, I should say, but, um, wild stuff. Now here's, um, what this means elsewhere in the sec, I should say really quick. There are two other sec games. Mississippi State wins at home 83-71 over Ole Miss. Ole Miss came into the day last four in. They now um, are going to be knocked out when things refresh. They will not be in the field. Lenardi had said that. Mississippi State was like a 10 seed, so helping to just kind of solidify some of their tenuous standing. Here's why. Had Florida won, held off Alabama, had Kentucky won, here's what would have been nuts. Alabama and Tennessee would be tied atop the SEC at 10 and three. Meanwhile, tied at third, one game back, Florida, Kentucky, Auburn, and South Carolina, all right there within a game, meaning you would have six teams all within a game of each other for first place in the SEC. Instead, because Florida lost and because Kentucky lost, Alabama has first place all by themselves, 11 and two, Tennessee second place all by themselves, 10 and three. Auburn and South Carolina tied for third at nine and four, and then Florida and Kentucky in fifth at eight and five. So what could have been really, really chunked up together turned into a little bit more of a spread. Alabama's feeling better about themselves. Some big matchups, though, ahead this weekend. Well, I'll tell you this. Illinois had a very unfortunate collapse at Penn State on Wednesday. I guess you could say that they were not too happy, Valley. Yeah, I got dad jokes. I apologize, but I'm full of them. Deal with it. We'll talk about this game in just a second. Right after I tell you this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. 
Passion driven patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits to LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Illinois at Penn State, number 12 at an unranked team. You've heard this storyline all season long. Penn State, not in bubble contention, struggling in the Big Ten, but they get this win 90 to 89. And for Illinois, y'all, this is a a rough, this is a rough look. (laughs) Let me give you all these leads down the stretch. The Illini led by 14 with 15.40 to go. They led by 12 with just 5.15 left. They still led by 11 with 3.15 left. They still led by 10 with two and a half minutes to go at 87 to 77. But from that moment, from 87 to 77 with 150 seconds left in the game, Penn State closes on a 13 to 2 run, including the final eight points of the game. And look, that's t- you're going. That's going to happen on the road in league play sometimes. But if you're Illinois, you got to feel like we just we just blew this. We had a golden opportunity, and now because you lose this basketball game, instead of just being one game back of Purdue in the Big Ten standings, now you're two. And Zach Eady and company is like, thank you very much, Nittany Lions. We will take that and now have a two game buffer and feel great about it. Thank you very much. So here's the final 40 seconds of this game. Jameel Brown takes a questionable transition three for Penn State, but it falls down to four. Then on the ensuing inbound, Penn State, Puff Johnson from Penn State strips the ball from Terrence Shannon Jr., who, by the way, had a phenomenal game on the inbound. He gets a layup game down to two now, all of a sudden. Coleman Hawkins, who's been chirping a lot lately, I might add, misses is fouled, misses, and he kind of like, he maybe traveled before the foul was called. That could have been wild, but goes to the free throw line. A good free throw shooter misses both of them. And then poor Coleman Hawkins, things get worse. Penn State um, on the other end is looking for the three to take a lead and maybe get a win. Coleman Hawkins doesn't give Zach Kicks room to land. Hicks has to go to the free throw line and there's, I mean, it's not like zeros on the clock, but there's only 4.2 seconds left. And I tell you, I mean, the man's a 75% free throw shooter, but he's not been to the line all night long. <clears throat> and you think, oh, it's free throws. No big deal. You knock him down. Well, I'll tell you this. A, under any circumstance, knocking three down in a row, far less percentage chance of doing that than two in a row. Given these circumstances, infinitely more challenging as well. But Zach Hicks steps up, calmly nails one, two, and three. And all of a sudden, Penn State is up by a point. And Illinois is trying to, just trying to figure out what are we doing? What happened? Who? What's going on here? And, and it 
they even get a chance. Like Justin Harmon gets all the way to the rim and gets a great look at what would have been a game-winning layup. But it just doesn't fall, bangs off the rim, ball game. That's tough for Illinois. 35 points for Terrence Shannon Jr. in this game. New career high. His previous career high was uh, the game against FAU at the Jimmy V Classic in MSG back in December. So um, for Illinois, they were a four seed entering this game, 14th overall. We'll see if they drop it all. Um, And as I said, it does put them in Big Ten standings two games back now of Purdue. As for a couple other uh, teams in that top 16 conversation, Duke, who was also on Joe Lenardi's four line on uh, uh, entering Wednesday's play, I should say, um, picked up a blowout win at Miami, 84-55. Duke gets back Tyrese Proctor in this game, although he came off the bench. Uh, John Shire's done that some with guys coming back from injuries multiple times this year with Proctor, with Jeremy Roach. We'll see things like that. For Miami, they were unfortunately missing two of their top three scorers, both Nigel Pack, who had a lower body injury, was out of this game, and Matthew Cleveland, the Florida State transfer, had an illness. So both of those guys are missing for a Miami team that has already struggled a lot this year. Um and so losing scores two and three is not going to help your cause any. But they still had Bensley Joseph and Wuga Poplar and um, Norchad Omir. They got those guys and then fill in around them. Um, but, that, I mean, that's a tough situation. But a 29-point defeat at home? Yikes, that's a rough look. <clears throat> Part of this, Miami not playing great. Duke, on the other hand, has been playing great basketball of late. They're putting themselves in really good position. In fact, they're now tied with North Carolina atop the ACC standings at 12 and three heading into the weekend. North Carolina holds the tiebreaker right now, but obviously the two teams have to play again on the last Saturday, of the regular season Uh, this weekend, Duke is at Wake Forest, North Carolina at West Virginia. So two really big road matchups for both of these schools for Duke. It is their third in a row. They knocked off both Florida schools in the ACC. Great job on the road by them. As for Miami, they're 15 and 12, 6 and 10 in the ACC. They are not going to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Their only hope of making it to a third straight Elite Eight is to win the ACC tournament. And I've seen nothing from Miami that shows me that they can do that. On paper, yeah. In reality, no. So we'll keep our eyes on Coach Larinaga's team going forward. And again, Duke playing some really, really good basketball right now. So let's keep our eyes on them. Another of our top teams was back in action. This is a two-seeded Marquette team coming into the day. They're number seven in the nation, hosting DePaul, who is just, let's be honest, terrible. So the only reason I want to even bring this game up is because Marquette went wacky, 105-71, and it wasn't that close they were, um, but I want to bring up two guys in particular. Tyler Kolek played just 27 minutes of this game, checked out at 8.03, never came back in. He scored just three points. So, Isaac, why are you bringing him up? Because Tyler Kolek had a Marquette record 18 assists. Are you kidding me with that? Crazy stuff there. And oh, by the way, Cam Jones, he played even less. 23 minutes for Cam Jones, also checked out at 803. Listen to this line, 34 points on 12 of 15 from the field, 
eight of 10 from three and two of two from the free throw line. Again, 34 points in just 23 minutes from Cam Jones. Ridiculous stuff from Marquette. I'm sure it was nice <clears throat> to exercise some demons from over the weekend, that beatdown that they suffered against UConn. Well, friends, we got a lot, a lot of bubble action on Wednesday night. A couple other games that weren't very bubbly and uh, some recruiting news that came out on Wednesday as well. Who helped themselves? Who hurt themselves in bubble standings? We'll get to that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. How about this uh, big old Pac-12 clash coming up tonight? Number 21, Wazoo, at number four, Arizona. Look, it's a big line at FanDuel. Wildcats by 11 and a half. Maybe you think that's too big and you want to take Wazoo to cover. Go ahead, do it. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, several more topics to cover, but I want to start with four pretty bubbly results from Wednesday night. Let's go back to the Big Ten and uh, <clears throat> where the Nebraska Cornhuskers were visiting Assembly Hall in Indiana. Nebraska wins this game 85-70. to 70. They started the day as last four buys, meaning... Uh, they would get an at-large berth, but wouldn't have to go to Dayton. They're like right on in the field. And so they certainly helped their cause with a win on the road in Big Ten play here. And uh, critically important for Nebraska because before this, goose egg, 0-7 on the road in conference play. And then they go and do this. Look, Nebraska was blitzing Indiana at halftime, 51-31. Tominaga had 18 points at the half, crazy stuff. But Indiana, man, they started chipping away at this thing, got it down to a three-point margin, 59-56 with 11-12 to go. But then Nebraska goes on this 7-0 run to push it back out to 10, and then it was just like, fine. <clears throat> Indiana had nothing left to come back and overcome it. So Indiana continues to struggle. Nebraska continues to solidify their spot in the field. Great stuff from Coach Hoiberg's team. Next, the lone Big 12 game of Wednesday night. Cincinnati came into Wednesday as first four out for Joe Lenardi, so needed to just kind <clears> of <throat> keep pace with a win over Oklahoma State at home. It wouldn't have helped them, but it's one of those where it can hurt you if you lose. And unfortunately for West Miller's club, that's exactly what happens. The Sooners came in and won. Uh, Sooners, my most uh, humble apologies Goodness gracious, the Cowboys come in and win 80 to 76 at Cincinnati. Tough, tough loss for these guys. I might as well, since I'm calling, you know what? Turnabout is fair play. Since I called Oklahoma State the Sooners, the Cincinnati Musketeers <laughs> go down. I'm so sorry, Xavier. We'll get to you in a minute. Uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats fall and, man, not good for their tournament hopes. Uh, let's move to the Big East. Providence at, that's right. Xavier, I guess I need to call them the Bearcats now if we're just doing all these crosstown mascot mix-ups. No, the Xavier Musketeers, Providence, gets this game 79-75. to Providence entered the day also, just like Cincinnati, first four out. Um, but Lenardi had said that this win at Xavier, I mean, this is a quad one game, would get them into the field. So I would imagine when we see a refresh today on Thursday, 
Uh, it won't be a buy, but they will be last four in is probably where we will see Providence. So great stuff there. Now, Xavier was on a two-game losing streak or skid, I guess it should be, coming into this thing. But they led this game by as many as nine. They led it at seven points, 61 to 54. <clears throat> but then Providence comes all the way to tie it back, gets a lead with 451 to go, 71-69. Josh Aduro had been out the majority of the second half with four fouls. Coach English goes ahead and brings him back in at that point and stayed away from it. Did a great job not picking up that fifth foul. Immediately, immediately, Aduro has an impact. He draws a couple guys to him as he's kind of making his way into the lane. Kicks out for a three. Boom. Now we've got a five-point lead for Providence and we're off and running. And as part of that, they get up to 75-69 and then 77-69. This is 9-0 run for Providence. 77-69. And all of a sudden, Xavier comes roaring back, 77-75. They have a shot. Looks like they might uh, be able to <clears throat> tie it up. But some great defense at the at the rim by Gaines and Josh Aduro. And Gaines just has this incredible verticality. I mean, right upright, blocks the ball. It was almost like grabbed it in mid while they're in midair. It's Providence's eighth block of the game. Kind of game-saving block, essentially two free throws, Ball game is over. Congrats to Providence on hopefully getting themselves into the field. Let's go to one more uh, <clears throat> bubble game from Wednesday night. And this game, folks, was insane down the stretch. I hope you had a chance to watch it. This is number 22, Colorado State at New Mexico. Lobos pull this one out, 68-66. All sorts of back and forth. New Mexico started the day last four buys. So this might catapult them into the field, kind of similar to what we were talking about with Nebraska earlier. So both these teams did well for themselves on Wednesday night. Colorado State with the loss falls to sixth in the in the Mountain West standings. They're, I'm not worried about them getting in, but kind of wild. Like that's the depth at the top of the Mountain West there. Um, so we'll continue to see what happens. This was also a very streaky game, kind of like the, the Kentucky LSU game. New Mexico raced out to a 15-3 lead. <clears throat> It's like, ooh, Lobo's got something going here. Okay, Coach Patino Jr., you know what I mean? But Colorado State responds with their own 18-3 to run to take a lead, and then they hold that most of the rest of the first half. It's tied at halftime, and then we just get down the stretch. Just shot after shot after shot. Isaiah Stevens hit both ends of a one-and-one one to take a one-point lead with seven seconds to go. And then there was this consideration like, is New Mexico – <clears throat> going to take a timeout at half court. And it seemed like maybe Colorado State thought they would. But then Donovan Dent just gets ahead of steam, weaves his way through traffic, beautifully done, I might add, on his part. Colorado State, nowhere to be found defensively, no shot blocker at the rim. I don't know what they're doing. But Dent, great ball handling, left hand layup, and one makes the free throw. And <clears throat> um, Colorado State did a great job. They still had a timeout left. So they did the thing where the the baseline pass all the way to half court, get the timeout. They couldn't get the ball to Stevens. It's a contested three at the end. I, like, didn't even really look good or have a chance. And I don't even know if it would have counted if it was good. So um, nice defense there on the last possession by New Mexico. So they continue to solidify themselves in the field. Great stuff there. What a fun game in the Mountain West, man. It continues to deliver all the time. <clears throat> A couple quick, not-so-bubbly results. 
I said that Kentucky was a five seed in Lenardi's bracketology coming into Wednesday. Two of the other five seeds were also in action. One followed Kentucky's path to the L category, and another won. The team that won was Clemson, who won at Georgia Tech 81 to 57. I mean, that's a stomping. And look, don't take that for granted because both Duke and North Carolina have lost at Georgia Tech this year to Damon Stoudemire's team. Great job by Clemson to continue uh, holding on to their spot. Dayton, on the other hand, loses at George Mason. Number 16, Dayton, 71-67. First ever <clears throat> uh, home win for George Mason over a ranked opponent. Great job there by that squad. Um, and for Dayton's part, they are now a half game back in the 8-10 standings of both Richmond and Loyola. So, they're, I mean, I don't even know if Dayton's going to win the regular season 8-10. That makes zero sense to me. That Flyers got to get some stuff figured out there. Uh, just a couple other quick things on the way out. Samford is leading the SoCon right now, and they had a wild 74-72 home win over Furman on Wednesday night to maintain their two-game cushion in the SoCon um, over uh, UNCG and Chattanooga. Uh, look, Samford's so fun to watch. Tons of points, always scoring. Bucky Ball is an absolute blast. They're undefeated at home. Check your eyes out on this mid-major team. I really, really like them. Final word today before I get us out of here. Derek Queen, the last remaining five-star at 247 Sports for the class of 24, committed on Wednesday to Maryland. He's a, a Maryland, he's been playing down at Mont Verdon, Florida, but he's originally from Baltimore area, so it makes sense, but chooses them over Kansas and Houston along with Indiana and LSU. And so um, really good uh, recruiting get for the Terps there. You know, somewhere SVP is real happy about that. <clears throat> He's a center 12th overall at 247, third rated center behind uh, Jaden Quaintance, uh, the Kentucky commit, and Flory Bedunga, the Kansas commit as well. Um, looking ahead to Thursday night, you know, Thursday night's actions kind of, yeah, whatever from time to time. Andy and I will always give you our jinx uh, Thursday jinx of the week. We'll do that on, on Friday's show. Uh, but the two most interesting games to me on Thursday are SMU at FAU. Uh, <clears throat> teams just right up there at the, you know, at and near the top of the, uh, of the American conference. Actually it's South Florida that leads the way they barely survived by themselves. I should say on Wednesday night. Anyway, SMU at FAU seven Eastern on ESPN two. And then we already mentioned it in the fan duel read, but Washington state at Arizona 11 Eastern on FS one. I am not staying up for that. I am too old. Uh, we'll check in on that together on Friday or next week or something. Folks. Thanks so much for hanging out with me again. What a phenomenal Wednesday night of basketball. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And we're still four weeks away. There's so much great action to happen before we even get to Selection Sunday and, and uh, the, the conference tournaments and everything. It's so great. I hope you love it as much as I do. If you haven't joined the Locked On College Basketball Discord community, man, you want to make sure you do that in these final weeks of the regular season so you can be ready and in hanging out with us come NCAA tournament time. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do that on both audio and video. Smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube so that we know you are here. All right, folks. Man, college basketball, it just always delivers. Apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats. And until tomorrow... Peace.